the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. know by now my name is chad and every single week we take a look back in time to a glorious era of professional wrestling a time where all we wanted to see was the red white and blue ropes of the world wrestling federation and we are going back to the beginning half this week to talk about the early stages of lex luger a man who would be made in the usa but first started off as the narcissist and we are going to talk all about that today here on New Generation Declassified, I'm going to welcome the broadcast team into the program. Let's welcome first in the middle box here that I'm looking at. He is uh, looking so fine in his Jets green. He is the one and only Mr. CP, for sure, digging the uh, that that green. Are we going back to uh, 90s Jets? You want to start talking about uh, some 90s Jet teams? As much as I would love for this to be a Jet shirt, it's actually a uh, South Park shirt. Tegrity oh, jeez, you but, you could have just screwed. You could have just absolutely, you know, placated uh, the, the whole <laughs> thing. You could have just, you could have just said, "Yeah, you're right. I love the Jets, and I'm wearing a yeah, Jets shirt." It's, it's a Vinny Testaverde shirt, you know. I I wish I owned a Vinny T-shirt. I think I have a jersey buried in my closet somewhere. But, but uh, oh, I want to yeah. go even before Vinny. No, no, before Vinny. We're not going when they were getting good. We're going when they were bad. Yeah. <laughs> we're going. <laughs> hey, I listen to Boomer every day on the radio. And there you go. We'll have some uh, Rich Cotite uh, uh, traumatic discussion <laughs> when we're uh, when it's all said and done. And then down there on the bottom, the man with the golden mouse clicking all the clicks to make us see what we see on the video screen is Timmy W. Hanging out and doing his thing uh, back in, in action this week, getting ready to uh, set the table, if you will, for some uh, some video gold. We have some gold lined up this week. Always gold, man. Always gold with this golden mouse. Hey, they don't call him the best play-by-play man in the business for nothing, huh? Yeah, so here we go. We're going to talk. Nice what? throwback. <laughs> if, if you get the reference, it's uh, <laughs> that, that, that's a quick one. But, hey, yeah, we're going to talk about Lex Luger today, and I'll tell you why. So CP hits me up over the weekend, says, hey, what do you want to talk about this week? And, you know, he said, how about Lex Luger, July 4th? And whereas, like I said in the pe- prior weeks, you know, the podcast gods kind of hand stuff to you on a silver platter – I thought, well, gee, that's kind of like way like predictable for a show from this era to talk about the uh, the body slam challenge, the body slam heard around the world, the intrepid July 4th, 1993, the the first stop on the Lex Express when that helicopter came from the distance and landed on the intrepid. I figured, well, why should we go the made in the USA route? Let's go back. Let's start in the early part of 93 with narcissist as Bobby Heenan would call him the narcissist Lex Luger. And I think, uh, I think in the wake of the idea that it's not really as covered of a topic at all, especially compared to made in the USA, 
I think uh, it's a good direction to go in. And I have a feeling our show today is going to be a uh, metaphorically magnificent. <laughs> I found myself staring all day um, in the mirror and checking out my biceps and my pecs and my lats and everything that I had attached to me because I listened to the theme song of the narcissist Lex Luger about 2,000 times uh, because there was a, a time, I want to say it was a few months back, where I uh, couldn't sleep kind of in like a, you know, a YouTube ADD you know, uh, fit. Things kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through, and I fell asleep, and I woke up, and the Lex Luger theme was playing in, on the, my earbuds, and I thought I was in some weird dream, like a fever dream, that <laughs> the narcissist Lex Luger's theme was like invading my uh, my thought space, but no, it just came through the uh, the YouTube mix, and was I was Bobby like, oh, let's Heenan, fire it up. Was Bobby Heenan in the background just going, look at those lats? <laughs> he was in my brain and he was as i looked in the mirror he absolutely was but uh yeah the narcissist lex luger a huge departure from what he would become but as he enters into the wwf january 1993 the royal rumble we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes uh a, a moment in time but we're going to go all the way back to the prior year 1992 as uh to the surprise of many a pre-taped uh, interview of Lex Luger shows up on WrestleMania 8 where Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon talk to a video of Lex Luger and they try ever so hard to sync it up to the discussion. But Lex Luger looking absolutely massive, <laughs> sitting in a, in a well-manicured, I guess, hotel room or some sort of soundstage uh, talking to... Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. What are your first impressions of this first image of Lex Luger? Um, I don't know what he's doing on my television. Not expecting to see him, but he's, you know, he's Lex Luger. He's, uh, he's gigantic, but I th don't think of him as a WWF personality at the time. Where's Sting? Yeah, where's Sting? <laughs> yeah, at that point, though, it was Lex Luger on his way to, wait for it, the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation, the short-lived WBF, where Lex Luger would become a co-host of the WBF Body Stars alongside his boss, Vince McMahon, who, if you recall, was rocking some serious Zubas and tank tops all on the WBF Body Stars show. Uh, so kind of a swerve, whereas we think we're seeing Lex Luger on WrestleMania 8, a pivotal show in the WWF timeline of the mid to early to mid-90s. No, he's part of the WBF. That's a little bit of a swerve, if I ever saw one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it was, it was odd to see him on WWF television. Certainly perfect timing of Vince to put the WBF out like a bodybuilding federation in the heart of a steroid scandal. That's always good timing. Uh, but Lex is, uh, yeah, it's just, it was crazy to see him on somewhat of a, well, I guess it's a Titan sports entity, uh, not WWF per se, but he would make his way there as this uh, wrapped up over the coming months. It's the Vince McMahon uh, entity of all entities. Obviously, we know Vince likes to create things outside of the wrestling world. It, it kind of taps into when you have success in wrestling, you know, start to think what else is out there for you. And Vince's original promotional uh, tools on his own were as a boxing promoter, and he promoted boxing events in uh, the Connecticut area. 
And uh, this was uh, a huge risk. It was a huge attempt as we're watching, uh, you know, the WBF body stars with Bobby Heenan, you know, playing the Bobby Heenan role in the immortal Tom Platts there uh, alongside of Vince McMahon uh, bringing you the WBF uh, body stars event, which I believe was in, it was either in Vegas or Atlantic city. And, you know, it looks like a WWF show. I mean, the logo looked like WWF, you know, mean jeans, the first person you see to come out of the backstage. And this is where Lex Luger's destination was. It was going to be posing as part of the WBF, not competing in the WWF. Yeah, no, and he never actually uh, he never actually made it to that point, though. Correct? Yeah, he had the well. Uh, we're seeing on our screen now an injured Lex Luger. I believe he had his motorcycle accident in this time, uh, so he ended yes. up not competing, um, but still appearing. And I think at one point he was supposed to be a broadcast partner. Is that correct? Mm. Yeah, he appeared and he was supposed to be a competitor, but ended up being a part of the broadcast team with Vince on the WBF uh, Body Stars television show. Um, but it's like it, it's it's this weirdo parody of Lex Luger that, yeah, again, he's massive. He looks like he should be in the WBF. But this is the second time now we're seeing him on television and he's either in a couch or in a bed. So <laughs> we can't get him to actually take his, his gear off and start to pose because he's laid up and that kind of sucks. And that was the, the early stages of Lex Luger's WWF career. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, it's, uh, you know, he was the was his last match in WCW for their championship. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was, or close to it. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, you know, I, 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 off the top of my head, don't recall. I know he was obviously in the that championship picture. Um, I, I think it was. I, can't, I can't remember if it was with Barry Windham. I, I could be wrong or with, with Sting. Um, but Lex Luger, yeah, let's go right before he came to the WWF. I mean, an absolute staple of NWA turning into WCW, TBS, you know world championship wrestling you think sting you think flair and then i gotta say you think luger and for him to leave we already saw you know the fact that flair was in the wwf we saw when the brain busters came over we saw the legion of doom come over but like luger coming over that's like almost like my god how is this happening you know you never would have expected a staple like that to join the ranks of that federation it was kind of like a you know an unheard of thing He's a staple and also like a, a young staple. I would say he was considered a young star at the time. Uh, and, I th- you know, like post post Flair leaving, like Lex Luger was, he was the young torchbearer, I would say, to a degree in 90, you know, early 92 or late 91, maybe in WCW. Yeah, Luger's contract required him to work a specific number of dates and having fulfilled them, he sat out the end of 91 and the beginning of 92 and aside from other title defenses against guys like Masahiro Chono at the uh, NW, uh, the New Japan WCW Super Show number two, Luger did not wrestle until Super Brawl two, where he lost the WCW title to Sting. So that's nineteen ninety. That's early ninety two. That's early ninety two, and then WrestleMania, you know, obviously is always in the you know yeah. the bur- the the early spring months. So as we watch him guzzle a glass of milk, you know, he had not stepped through the ropes in, in a few months. So that, again, the fact that he's in there, the WBF is uh, it's not a head scratcher per se, but it's just like, man, kind of want to well, see the, him fight Hulk. Hogan. 
<laughs> it's a super interesting gap year, though, that, like because you have him coming off this time where he's the WCW or NWA champion, and now you're just constantly seeing him on WWF television. Not constantly, but you're, when you're seeing him on WWF television, but as you mentioned earlier, you know, never really on WWF television, either WPF or WWF, but he's always laid up. He's always in a chair. It's, it's what you were saying before. It's just very bizarre. It's a very bizarre year in the history of Lex Luger. We got the little bit of a tease because he was wearing a WBF um, tank top. So we got to see a little bit of the arms and the chests and the, the, you know, the forearms and all the, the great details of the narcissist. And it would only be, I guess, towards the tail end of the year where we'd start to see these uh, little, you know, teases that there was something better than perfect. Cause obviously Bobby Heenan was a little mad at Mr. Perfect for leaving the, the flair camp. And the only thing better than perfect was an, a narcissist and somebody who was in love with themselves. Now I can't recall, and this is where I'll, I'll tap into to you guys. If you recall this, I can't recall if they said it was Lex Luger. I don't think they did say it was Lex Luger. No, no it was a big mystery who the nurse or, or who narcissist was. Narcissist. <laughs> Narcissist. Narci- Narcissist. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, it was you definitely know, a mystery. Bobby Heenan was uh, uh, saying that there was, you know, all the Bobby Heenan promos, and he was always, he was like the first one, he was like, this guy's better than Perfect. And then uh, a week later, he was like, I heard you're asking questions, Mr. Perfect. Who could this be? So, yeah, it was definitely a mystery uh, as to who it was. See that that part I didn't recall, but obviously at the the actual event, which again we're gonna, we're gonna build to it, you know there was a giant curtain, which is a perfect wrestling tease. Who's under the curtain? Um, yeah, you know, one would think was that curtain. You know, was he under it all day? Like you know, you know I think was he in the dark putting that oil on his uh, on his body. Uh, one would one would think possibly <laughs> if he's married to the to the role um but bobby heenan so at this point he's in an interesting role because he's no longer a manager he's you know an obvious now staple of the broadcast team but as the you know the uh, uh believe the advisor to uh world champion rick flair and then flair leaving the company in 93 they got to find something for him so this was a great transition to continue flair's feud with mr perfect to introduce narcissist and you almost kind of want to see Bobby Heenan back at ringside, but you don't want to leave the broadcast booth because if you go back to the 92 Rumble, everybody agrees it could possibly be the greatest color commentary spot in the history of professional wrestling, his performance that night. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's he's always been, you know, I would probably call him the best color commentary or color commentator of all time. I don't really think there's anybody else I would compare to him. I would maybe compare Prime Jerry Lawler, but probably not. Just a prime Jerry Lawler, not a 2020 Jerry Lawler, just to make that clear. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, no, Bobby Bobby the Brain is great. And I think – I actually thought it was interesting uh, that, you know, he he's doing all these promos. We just talked about how Lex Luger came from uh, WCW, WCW NWA champion. It's, it's almost uh, – you know, it's only a little bit more than a year after – he was doing the same thing for Ric Flair, who was also coming in as the NWA WCW champion. So I think that's right. kind of an interesting little bridge there. And so much it, yeah, so much happened in between that. Like you almost don't think that at the time because it, it felt like from when Flair was coming in in the summer of 91 to now beginning of 93, like you don't even think about that. 
Cause it seems like it was like, you know, forever ago. And yeah. it, it's a very, you're exactly right. It's a very similar build. Um, and I, you know, and I think a lot of people can naysay things about Flair's WWF run as it is. I mean, Flair loved it because a, he made the most money <laughs> that he had up to that point. Cause the WWF is a WWF, but I don't know. I, I've never been a huge Flair fan to begin with. So I, I, I give or take anything that he did in, at that time. I don't really, you know, it doesn't really catch me. I love the 92 rumble. Uh, and I think he, he's amazing in that. Uh, but besides that, like eh, flair for me, you know, I I'd rather see Bobby Heenan than, than hear Ric Flair. You know, I, it's, it's, that's just me. I'm a WWF uh, purist through and through. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've, I would have probably said the same thing 15 years ago or before. I mean, I grew to love flair when I was older. I didn't really have an appreciation for him when I was younger. Um, but that's interesting when you think of that build up and then it's literally the next night after the unveiling of Narcissus that, uh, uh, Flair loses to perfect in the, uh, loser leaves town match. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's just a one day difference that he's gone and. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a great point because uh, that you know the '93 Rumble as a pay per view is a great, great pay per view. And uh, at the time, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it's a great pay per view when you look at it now to say, man, for what they had and what they were trying to do, they pulled it off. I mean, Bret Hart and uh, Razor Ramon for the the WWF title, amazing build, great match. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, it's a good match. Might not be their best. And if you've ever heard, heard Marty Jannetty tell the story, they basically had perfected the match on the house show loop. And then when they got to the pay-per-view, they th- they hated them. Well, <laughs> I think Vince is the one that really hated the match. And uh, that basically was the end of their, their epic feud that should have gone on for like two more years. Yeah. And um, it's all about this pay-per-view. And also, obviously, Yokozuna, you know, winning the uh, the Royal Rumble, which, you know, I'm sure we could debate here for 20 minutes. Why did the Macho Man try to pin Yokozuna in a Royal Rumble? <laughs> it makes no freaking sense. Right. But Macho Man is smarter than that. <laughs> Sometimes you get brain farts in the Royal Rumble. It's just that. <laughs> but, you know, this also called into then, on the in the midst of all this on the show, you have the the unveiling of Lex Luger as part of the event. So as they build the show in, and uh, Bobby Heenan, you know, is in the broadcast booth with Gorilla Monsoon like he would be so many times. He heads down to the platform and gives an intro of all intros where it's been, you know, bantied about and laughed at for many, many years. The very uh, sounding like in love <laughs> Bobby Heenan was with Lex Luger on that night in 1993 as the curtain rises and narcissist is revealed to be Lex Luger. Yes, Tell we, us about it, CP. We, well, we had an episode about Todd Pettengill. Uh, it was our second episode. Um, and I, I had mentioned at the Slammies how Todd was a little, a little over the top in his uh, descriptions of uh, how attractive Shawn Michaels was in his Slammy Awards song. Um, <laughs> if you could take those... That those tones and multiply them by ten thousand. That would be Bobby Heenan right now, uh, describing Lex Luger uh, and those lats. And and let's make sure you see that at this. It was a very interesting. Uh, it was a very interesting uh, introduction. Uh, while the curtain is slowly rising. 
I uh, I honestly learned about um, like what parts of the body had muscles because <laughs> I didn't know half the stuff Bobby Heenan was talking about uh, on this show. Um, but you know the the silver of Lex Luger and, and the purple of Lex Luger and that giant cape that he had surrounded by all of the mirrors so he could look at himself and the little peaks and the little teases that he would do <laughs> while the unveiling was happening. You know, the crowd not necessarily getting to see it. It's an audience of one, maybe two, if you call Bobby Heenan and maybe three, if you call the camera into uh interview, but what? Wow. Well, I mean, just to see Lex Luger, he is, uh, he's literally sculpted here to what a, a professional wrestler looks like in my brain. But what, what do you think? Did they pull it off the unveiling? Did Bobby Heenan's um, a commentary over it, make it better, you know, to see a guy like Lex Luger, I would think to have a skyrocket on his back to the top spot as a bad guy. But what do you think here of this unveiling? Did they pull it off? I mean, I think they pulled it off. I, I think, um, like, I like this character kind of in general as as in the way I hate him, like a classic heel. Uh, but I, I think they kind of pulled off this unveiling. I think uh, I think you definitely hate Lex Luger immediately if you're a male just from, like, watching what's going on right here. But Bobby Heenan does put it way over the top because he's just, you know, I mean, Bobby Heenan's amazing. And he, his commentary is just classic, like, it's just ramping it up four times. Like how much you want to hate this person that's doing this right now. I believe. So we went from the total package to beyond perfection. Do yeah. you think he's possibly bigger now than he was a, a year earlier, a year and a half earlier in WCW? When you say bigger, are you talking about physically or like uh, bigger? Like, yeah. Is he, does he look Jack now? WWF has testing at this point. End of 92 is the testing. Does Lex Luger look bigger or does he look a little deflated but sculpted? What do you think? I would, he probably looks more sculpted. I mean, he he, he could be bigger. Um, you think for Lex Luger he could be bigger? I'd have to look back at 92, to be honest with you. I, I think he looks gigantic and but he always looks sculpted in wwf like he looks like a scat he looks like a statue like he yeah do you think mr perfect is the right launching pad for lex luger uh i actually do i don't know that it necessarily worked out perfectly um i didn't i didn't mean that as a pun but i guess it is a pun. <laughs> did you spit your gum out i was looking down <laughs> no, I, I do think Mr. Perfect is a great launching pad. I mean, first of all, when you bring him in with Heenan, which we talked about before, like Heenan's wrapping up, uh, or well, Flair and Perfect are wrapping up, but Heenan's always interwoven in that, even when on commentary, he's constantly talking. But it, but if you bring, obviously, the narcissist in who's beyond perfect, and he's dealing with the guy who's perfect, uh, and just from a wrestling perspective i mean lex is always more about look and mr perfect is a guy that can take him through his first feud into in theory a great match so yeah no i do think it's uh i think mr perfect is probably the perfect first opponent although yeah i don't know that it necessarily works out that way so yeah so here he is he debuts in january they're taking shots at mr perfect building to wrestlemania so wrestlemania is 
way down the road. I mean, you're in Royal Rumble season. Yeah, you're getting ready for WrestleMania. And yeah, they uh, they they bring out Caesar and Cleopatra to start the build for the outdoor WrestleMania at Caesar's Palace. But that's like April 4th or something. That's way down the road. So in old school land, folks, we used to have to wait for these matches a few months and get a lot of buildup. And really, if you think about it, it's the only feud the narcissist has is this Mr. Perfect match, which is one match on television, at least. I'm sure they worked the house show loops. I'm sure they did a million things. But you just see between January Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, you just see Lex Luger knocking the ever-living shit out of jobbers and jabronis and enhancement talent with the loaded forearm. So calling back to the year before with the motorcycle accident he now not only is he the narcissist and he's better than perfect he's got a loaded forearm is that the the pro you think that's the perfect there it is there's that word again finishing maneuver now for lex luger the running forearm rather than the torture rack or, or anything else the power slam this is the running forearm whack and you're done well Again, I'm going to go to – I'm going to my little kid brain, which I do constantly, and I hated to grow up. I do need to grow <laughs> up, but I hated Lex Luger partially because – he well, when he was the narcissist, partially because I was like, he can't use the forearm. It's illegal. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what, no, I, what I a mark. <laughs> mark, oh, yes, 10-year-old's mark. But no, he's a good uh, – I, I think that was a great finisher, to be honest. Uh I don't know. There was just a whole element of, first of all, there was a realism element to it because he, it, even if you weren't like into um, dirt sheets and stuff, you kind of could know that he had this accident and that he really kind of had this surgery. Um, so I, I don't know. I always thought there was an element of realism to it. And I always thought it was very creative. I hadn't, I mean, maybe it was done before, but I had never seen anything done like that before. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah, you're exactly right. It was a great finisher for him. Love it. Uh, the way he come off the ropes, he'd be coming off at full speed, and he would just knock the ever-living crap out of whoever he was in the ring with, which, like I said, it was all enhancement talent on that road to WrestleMania and to build up, you know, the, the Mr. Perfect uh, match. And, I mean, he just – I mean, those are stiff, you know. I'm sure these guys could work, and I'm sure these guys knew how to, to, to sell this, and that's the job of the enhancement talent. But man, some of these look sick when he he connects, yeah. and you know some of them the guys fall flat. Some of them the guys look like they're knocked into next Tuesday. Even um, yeah, even after WrestleMania, actually, like up till up until uh, he became man in the USA, like two days before he was knocking out nobodies on superstars. Like <laughs> it was, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. And, um, you know, they were very smart about, the. you know, he had the pad. He had to bring the pad up to use the forearm like the padding was really going to do that much. I mean, let's be let's be honest here. But, um, you know, yeah, without even getting that far into it, where in July he just absolutely switches. You know, you just you got to see what superstars and challenge and even Monday Night Raw had to offer with enhancement matches. And it brings up the debate. Like, do you think enhancement matches at this magnitude are needed because it made a guy like Lex Luger, who we all knew from watching WCW was dominant and a champion enhancement matches. Do they work in the way that they did back then? Or should they bring them back in the way they did back then? I, I significantly miss enhancement matches. I, I, I understand why they don't 
necessarily work the way they used to because it's all about television and television ratings, I guess, to a degree now. Although it really should be about internet hits probably now more, more than that even. But uh, yeah, yeah, I love uh, enhancement matches. I don't love them, but I think they they create a much bigger bills like like they're, like pay per views in this era were so much more special than any pay per view could possibly be today, and that's a big reason for that is enhancement matches. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, and I missed that part of it with the the build up to the pay per views because even like when they introduced the King of the Ring in June. You know, and Lex Luger is on the the King of the Ring uh, lineup. But even when they introduced it in June, it that w- it was like, wow, oh my God, there's a new pay per view because we only got to see them four times a year. And the King of the Ring, you know, was perfect for the end of the summer or the beginning of the summer and to school. You know, you or you, you know, you're getting ready for uh, you know barbecues and the like. And now you got the King of the Ring in June, and that was like a gift. So those enhancement matches meant so much. But, you know, as Timmy's showing us there in the background, you know, you see him taking on a guy like Virgil. Like, that's a big, that's a big step up from some of the guys he was knocking out. Yeah. And when he beats a guy like Virgil, even though, again, it's Lex Luger, it's a guy who was a world champion, that was in another company. It might as well have never happened. And you beat a WWF mainstay like Virgil, you know, you're on your way. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's Virgil is very different than, like, a bleach blonde guy in purple tights that you would see on Saturday morning <laughs> losing, getting knocked out in one minute. But you see Virgil, you know, he did this with Sid. He, he got the, 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 his nose broken by Sid in uh, 92. He got uh, squashed by Yokozuna at the survivor series in 92 and then gave a warning to Bret Hart, you know, be, make sure, you know, you watch out for Yokozuna. He's coming. And then here you go on the road to uh, stardom here for Luger. He beats a guy like Virgil and knocks him out. You know, it's it's just one of those things. It makes the guy look like a, an absolute stud. And again, you just question yourself, like, what is it with Lex Luger that he never got to <laughs> hold that gold? Whether it was as the narcissist or was as the man made in the USA, he seems like he would have been the perfect champion, bad guy or good guy. It just didn't work out that way. Well, I, I mean, I would honestly say, and I feel like you're going to disagree with me, but I could be wrong. Uh, this character is it's definitely cartoony to a degree, but it's more, I don't, I think it's more true to the total package style Lex Luger, even though it's, it's like amped up a bit. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not necessarily sure why they made the switch from here other than they just saw him as the new Hulk Hogan when Hulk Hogan left. Uh, right. Because... Like, I, I think there was a lot of life in the narcissist. Like, I hated this character, and that's a good thing. Like, the, most most heels that I like, I like, which is bad half the time for a heel. Like, <laughs> like I hated Lex Luger, and I think a lot of other people did, too, as the narcissist. Like, I, I you could have built up this character, and I think it was kind of true to who he was to a degree at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Vince sees this guy and says, man, let's throw a red, white, and blue you know, flag shirt on him and see uh, if he's America's hero because as we're watching him now, he's taking on the rocket Owen Hart and uh, you know, the feud that kind of started, but then never finished was when the narcissist knocked out the champion, Bret Hart at the WrestleMania nine brunch, the bagels, biceps and brunch brunch or whatever they call it. The WrestleMania annual uh, uh, brunch they have. He knocks out Bret Hart and then that, kind of it and it's weird because 
you know, <laughs> that was in the middle of the Mr. Perfect feud, but there was yeah. never anything further than that with knocking out Bret Hart. Well, and then even when you take that a step further, like Mr. Perfect, like they kind of tried to separate Mr. Perfect immediately because he got, you know, after the WrestleMania 9 match, he got attacked by Shawn Michaels. Like they, they tried to make a clear separation from those two after that. So that they definitely had plans uh, for both of those guys to not be together, even though Lex Luger got, you know, he didn't really get a clean win over Mr. Perfect. His feet were on the ropes, I believe. <laughs> he, he did. And um, if you recall at WrestleMania nine, funny thing is when um, <laughs> the narcissist is doing his whole in-ring entrance, he gets, you know, the, uh, the, the showgirls to bring him out and they're holding the plates over his head with the mirrors on him, And he's, uh, <laughs> he's posing, <laughs> but they had fireworks coming out of them. And because it was outdoors and windy, the fireworks were like spraying all over yeah, the was... place and completely <laughs> lost the effect of what they were going for. Yeah. They were just blowing all over the place. I got to say, I find myself posing like uh, the narcissist uh, every so often. I'm not going to lie. The more I think about it as we watch this, the more I, I have to admit it. Um, but, you know, you, you said something earlier, which is interesting, you know, that it's more in line with the total package. If you fast forward to about 99 in WCW, he became, quote, the package and even wasn't being called Lex Luger for a while. And I dare say it was the exact copy of this narcissist character just in WCW, you know, six years later where he was massive and he wasn't looking like he was in the WBF. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I wonder if they, they saw that. Yeah, this was a perfect asshole heel character and kind of like you Lex, you know, from what everybody said back then. So maybe you should do that here. So maybe (laughs) the narcissist had, you know, legs and they thought that for later on down the road. But I, I, I really do think that, though, like, I am I get confused as to why uh, when I look back and it's like, you know, he, he headlines a SummerSlam and he was uh, he fought for a title at WrestleMania 10, obviously. So it's not to disparage made in the USA Lex Luger, but it just seems like the narcissist fits him more. And I like he, so I, I did not like I, I despise made in the USA. And I think part of that was because it was so quickly <laughs> off the heels of the narcissist, actually. Yeah. To be honest with you. And also. But when he was in WCW, though, when he first uh, when he first went back, his first year, maybe a few months after, like he debuted on that first Nitro, and he was there for a little while. But when he he started to do this tag team with Sting, where he was a heel and Sting was a face, and they like he would like cheat behind Sting's back and stuff. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that was I, it was best. one of my favorite <laughs> things going on in wrestling. I loved Lex Luger then, and I had never liked him prior to that time. Uh, but yeah, I think he is a really good heel. <laughs> he's definitely like a good stuck up heel, but I don't know. It's just, yeah, this is, I, I think this definitely fits him. The, the character. Now, now let me throw this little monkey wrench question in there. Now it's been told and he has said it in, in many an interview. I believe he said it on the air with us on the TMPT empire, but the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase stated that Pat Patterson once told him that if Vince McMahon could be a wrestling character it would be the million dollar man ted dibiase uh the chadster's opinion is that if he was to play a second character in professional wrestling it would be the narcissist now would you would you agree after i put it in that light (laughs) i would a hundred percent agree um and uh i uh tim was playing uh or you guys were uh, you guys had the wbf video on earlier uh i watched Part of one of the WBF videos like two hours ago where and I guess 
is it's that main June paper that event they had in that June. I, um, yeah. but Vince was commentating, and wow, was he! Uh, what what I was just describing Bobby Heenan as being over the top as like introducing the narcissist at the Royal Rumble. Vince was like ten times over that. He <laughs> he's just like blah 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 blah. Look at that leg. Look at that body. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? Vince? Fun, fun fact. Um, when I worked at the WWE and I got the tour of Titan Tower, I went into the infamous uh, gym at Titan Tower where you they used to film the Ico Pro commercials and, you know, Brett walking down the aisle at the gym with the, you know, the neon WWF stuff in the background. And they said, uh, you know, yeah, you're more than welcome to use the gym whenever you want, except when Vince and Triple H are using the gym. Then you're not allowed. And I was like, oh, they're very private. They go, no, all they do is grunt the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just picturing ah, ah, the, the whole time. So I completely believe that. Was was uh, Gilbert there at that time? Was Dwayne Gwill working out in the gym at all? <laughs> I think that Vince could bench press Gilbert. <laughs> okay. And I've, I've, had, I've had many a conversation with Gilbert. And I think that Vince could literally, Vince might even be able to bench press each one of us individually. Um, <laughs> I mean, the dude can, can, can get under a stack of weights and, and do his business. Uh, but yeah, that was the fair warning. If you ever want to use the gym, which I mean, no offense, why would I go and use the gym at Titan tower? I mean, if I lifted 50 pounds, I feel like a, like, you know, like a, like a douchebag. So I would never have, and I would have been working. When would I have time to use the damn gym? But just a funny warning. It's like, I bet you that guy just said that to everybody, you know, <laughs> just to get a rise. Oh, Absolutely. And Vince has time to use the gym. That guy's got multiple businesses. He's a billionaire. God, I love that man. Just don't tell the <laughs> franchise. Um, so with uh, with that being said, you know, yeah, Lex Luger then, you know, goes through the king of the ring, you know, and uh, doesn't uh, technically lose. So he doesn't get a loss on his perfect record there. But that's it for the narcissist because a few weeks later, yeah, you, he goes back into some squash matches and some some, some jabroni contests. And then July 4th, 93 comes and he's coming off the helicopter and he gets on the Intrepid and we're not going to spoil what happens after that because I'm sure we'll talk about it. But uh, that's it. The narcissist lives from January to July. And yes, because, you know, Wrestling Challenge, Superstars, All-American, Monday Night Raw, we had a lot of squash matches. We've got a lot of material to watch him. But that's it. Kind of an unceremonious finish. Uh, yeah, it's definitely on Sam Riley's finish. It's 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 very like it's weird. I don't remember. I mean, a lot of turns are quick, but this one was kind of just very shocking, uh, if I remember correctly. Like I, I just I don't I don't know. I didn't. I, this is one thing where it's incredibly unpredictable that uh, Lex would come out on the uh, Intrepid and slam Yokozuna. Yeah, I remember, I believe in the interview that uh, we did with Lex Luger back in 2015, he said that his his uh, boots were so slippery on that mat. You see, after he slams Yokozuna, he hits the second rope. He's so overzealous and excited that he nearly, like, eats it, you know, eats it and falls right on his ass. And um, it's interesting because he's wearing these cowboy boots, which, by the way, it's July in New York on the Intrepid. It's got to be, like, 2,000 degrees on there. 
And uh, yeah, the cowboy boots as we're watching it now. I mean, he almost like literally he almost he just fall, almost falls right on his face. He <laughs> lands on the ropes on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I totally thought Kona Crush was going to be able to slam Yoko. Yeah, I had my money on a random, you know, football guy that I thought could do it. You know, that, that, that's who I had. Or Scott Steiner. Let's give Scott Steiner the nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish Macho Macho did it. Macho he did. did. No, he did do it. He slammed him? No, he couldn't get it. No, he could not. Uh, no, Macho no, that's what I'm saying. That's oh, oh, okay. Because he went back. Like, in my memory, Macho tried, like, three times to slam him. Like, he kept going back, and he couldn't budge him at all. It was hilarious. I just want to know why I wasn't there. I, I can't look at this because I get too mad. I don't know why I wasn't there. I mean, that, that's insane. One ride through the Lincoln Tunnel, and, and I could have been there. Yeah, no, I agree. I should have been there as well. And uh, just to nod back to a prior episode, there is Todd Pettengill in his red, white, and blue <laughs> shirt. But he's also, but he's got the shorts on and rocking possibly the highest socks I've seen in the last 25 years. Is Todd Pettengill like the, the Kevin Bacon of WWF? It just always goes back, goes back to him. <laughs> well, at least during that era, he is. <laughs> yeah, if you're talking this era, you're always going to get back to Todd Pettengill. All right, so grade him. Uh, let's go with just one to ten. Ju- January to July, narcissist or narcissist, whichever one you want to call him. What do you give him? Um, can I give two grades? Sure, it's not it's not a it's not a real thing, so you can do whatever you want. I don't know. I just want to understand the rules. I want to work <laughs> one to ten. You know, what you don't know, we count to ten? Ten is the is, is the that's the best. One is the bad. <laughs> I'm gonna give narcissist uh a seven on actual narcissist, but I'm gonna give it a eight point nine on potential that was not realized. Okay. I can understand that. I can get on board. For Narcissist, I will give it a – I'm going to go with about a 7 or an 8, too. I'm gonna, You know what? I'll stick with an 8 because I think the execution was there. I think that the build was there. I, I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the guy was there, but it just kind of stalled. And he could have had a perfect 10 had he gotten in, in anything past July. As in, Maybe if he makes it to November – it, it can get to a 10. I might even be too generous. Maybe, I'll, you know, I'm going to go back to a seven. Let's give it a seven because um, a lot of what ifs when it comes to the narcissist. But what do you score narcissist versus the narcissist? Let's look <laughs> the narcissist name 10 <laughs> should have stuck with it. And I would have been saying narcissist my whole life uh, had it stuck and been his name. And it'd be better, too, if they spelled it differently, added a couple extra S's in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you could have got Bobby Heenan out of the, like, I know he was a broadcaster at this time, but if he was just his manager, too. like, I mean, I, well, I guess he was always putting him over on commentary, though, too, so it's weird. I don't know if that's true. I was just going to say, though, if he was just, like, his speaking piece for the whole time. I just think that would have been great in a way. Uh, yeah, it would have been. Um, oh, the guy who he's in the ring with right now escapes me, but I have interviewed him, and um, he he basically thinks he's uh, you know he's the Ric Flair of enhancement talent. 
So I just his name's escaping me as we speak. The, the uh, Barry Horowitz of enhancement. Oh, maybe you know what? No, wrong guy. I don't want to insult anybody. Wrong guy. Wrong guy. I saw the <laughs> face. The mul- I swear to God, enhancement talent and mullets from this era yeah. completely throw you off because everybody <laughs> everybody had them. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap it up here for this week. New Generation Declassified. This time we talked about the Narcissist. And uh, I think next week we're going to look at the first card from top to bottom. We're going to find a show, and we're going to look at the card from top to bottom, discuss the matches, maybe some of the stories, the backstories. I'll tell you what, when you mentioned Lex Luger to me, and (laughs) I thought about this, and this is definitely coming in the summer, and I, I just said, well, let's wait a few minutes there it is on the screen. Lex Luger and Tatanka, the uh, who who sold out to the Million Dollar Man, coming soon. But we'll wait for the summer. We will uh, absolutely give that the royal treatment. But uh, we're going to pick a card of some sort, a pay-per-view or a TV show or a Monday Night Raw, and maybe a Monday Night Raw. And, uh, and we're going to review it from top to bottom and kind of discuss the happenings, if you will. So uh, yeah, that's enough out of me. If you want to follow more going on in my world, it's at Chad ENB on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to follow more with the TMPT Empire, it's TMPTEmpire.com. You'll find out all the things going on in our world with all the podcasts on this network, as well as on other ones like the brand with the franchise Shane Douglas. You got eyes up here with the queen of extreme Francine. You got my partner JP and all the great shows he's doing. Uh, with Tom Pritchard, uh, with uh, Dutch Mantel, and there are so many great shows, and uh, we're keeping the party going. So that's uh, enough out of me. CP, what's going on with the Stick and Moves podcast? Anticipating season two, uh, lacing up the old gloves as we speak, trying to get ready for it. But uh, what's going on in your world, my friend? Yeah, no, we got Stick and Moves stories season two uh, starting in a few weeks, a little later on this summer. Uh, that's going to be uh, uh, definitely a good adventure there uh where we cover uh specific fights through the history of boxing uh every week uh you can google stick and move stories uh and you'll find the podcast there's also a facebook group facebook.com slash stick and move stories you can find me on twitter uh at pugs with three z's p-u-g-z-z-z um and you can also just find me on here uh having fun with chadster and tim uh and yeah in um in a world that i think after tonight is beyond perfection i'm i'm in so much pain as we're recording this i burned my hand before we started so i'm exploring my hand as you're plugging your podcast i i think i have like a third degree burn on my my finger here this thing is killing me (laughs) so (laughs) i apologize for not listening to your plug uh with all of my uh my my chadster glory but timmy before we wrap it up you got anything you want to say before we close it out no just that uh you know right now getting my feet wet from tmpt and uh glad to be on board you can find me on twitter at at vasdeferon um that's about it just loving the new generation yeah, I saw that the other day. I noticed it's Vest Defron, and I was like, you know, I would call somebody that around 1993, 1994, but it's funny that you're, uh, well, you got that as your Twitter name. So fast, there you- fast forward to 98 South Park, it'll, it'll come into yes, picture, yes, shortly yes, after, it will. you know, new gym. Yes, way, way to be. Uh, dial into those early South Park days. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. So, all right, well, that's enough out of us here. You're listening to New Generation Declassified. You just heard a great show. Go try your best pose in the mirror. 
go uh, be the narcissist out there in your daily life. And if you didn't catch it now, you can always catch us on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.